0: Hey guys, this is Carson and this is Slow Club Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning into this episode. So I'm really excited on this episode to talk about Thanksgiving, talk about contentment and what sometimes can be really hard not to do and that's overthinking your life. So let's dive right into the episode. I am not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living or in plenty or in want. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. Philippians 3, 4, 11 through 13. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is turned into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Matthew 6:25 through 34. So, most of us are familiar with those two passages um, from the Scripture, but I wanted to take some time to read those just to marinate on those. And actually the, uh, passage from Matthew, one of Jesus' teachings, uh, was one of the readings for Thanksgiving in the book, of common prayer lectionary. They have a special, uh, set of readings for Thanksgiving. And so I took some time to read that and it was uh, really touching to read it. And, and so guys on this episode, um, I wanted to just take some time to unpack a few things. And probably the biggest things I want to unpack is overthinking your life. So um, I am a chronic overthinker. (laughs) I, um, you know, I'm a chronic overthinker who sometimes masks that in discernment, right? Um, That sometimes being in a Christian community, we elevate discernment as such a good thing. But in reality, a lot of us just overthink everything. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes we know exactly what God has told us to do and exactly what the good path is and and the way of life and joy, Um, but we get stuck. We overthink it sometimes, and that has certainly been um, something I've dealt with here recently. And, uh, you know, one of the things I've noticed as I've wrestled with it, uh, it's kind of a big you know overarching question is um you know, will this all be worth it? Will it all be worth it? you know the the sacrifices that I'm currently making in my life as a Christian, um even you know pastorally i'm I'm on a journey to become ordained as a priest uh, so is are those sacrifices worth it? you know? and I feel like um the only way that you can get an answer to will it all be worth it is that you've got to you've got to walk down the road you know That um, i think that's the beautiful thing if you read in the gospels and you listen <clears throat> to the way jesus taught the disciples the way that he invited them along in the journey of life uh it you know it reminds me so much of Ah, uh, the Lord of the Rings. You know, the Fellowship of the Ring, as they journey together to face darkness and and evil, and to um, and to become conquerors. You know, uh, to to see the light triumphant. And so, in many ways, uh, as as we journey with Jesus in our lives, much like the disciples in the Gospels, we can read about. Um, We are also faced with great questions of faith. And I believe that's what that question that welled up in my heart was of, you know, Lord, will this all be worth it? You know, will, um, you know, living uh, simply as a family, you know, that's a nice way of putting that you live in poverty, I guess. (laughs) Uh, Is that going to be worth it? Is, um, you know, difficult relationships hard? Uh, Speaking up in conversation to challenge others is, um, you know, sacrificing time and effort and, and even, um, sometimes your own health, uh, for the sake of the Lord. And, um, you know, I say all that to say, I do believe the Lord calls us to a balanced life, a life of healthy rhythms. But if we really examine, uh, the high calling that Jesus has placed, um, on those he has chosen, uh, for his, his way, uh, then there will be times we have to sacrifice that we have to deny self, you know, and, and sometimes in denying self, uh, um, we have to be willing <coughs> to accept the challenging road ahead. Um, and so I, I think, you know, with that comes some great difficulties when it comes to overthinking your life, And if you're like me, overthinking your life can be easy to do. You can think ahead too much. You start to assume either doom and gloom or you assume way too much, right? Um, And it's uh, a dangerous road to be on, especially um, as we uh, seek to just watch the Lord unfold um, before our lives, His good plan. So what does it mean then to be content In every circumstance, as the Apostle Paul tells us. Well, I think this question takes some real prayer and thought to get down to it. And I can't sit here and explain this to you. You know, so much of the Christian life, I I wish if if there was one thing that, you know, a legacy of what God has done in my life is that I would encourage others that don't, don't take my word for it, live it live. I mean, like we talk about on Slow Club, slow down and live. Actually live the kingdom life, and then the Lord will r- reveal these things to you. You can't comprehend these things um, by just a conversation. You actually have to live it out. Um, and that also can become what's so challenging is that to be a Christian um, is not just a matter of thought or dogmas or doctrines. It is something that we live out because it's in a relationship with God. Um, but we can look at the scripture here, and we can think about, you know, what does Paul mean to be content in whatever the circumstances? Um, and today I'm recording this on Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, and uh, we, we kind of have a three-day marathon of Thanksgiving um, with family and uh, friends here. And so it's good to think about contentment. And I can honestly say, you know, that um, contentment is one of the hardest things that I've found um, that I'm able to do. You know, it is so easy to look at what others have, be that wealth or success, um, you know, talent or authority or whatever it is, and become jealous. It uh, It is. And so to be content in every circumstance I think takes a tremendous amount of humility, and and Paul here when he's you know he's he's saying he knows how to he's been in need he knows he's been in plenty, um, but he's learned the secret of contentment in all these situations, and it's it's through Jesus who gives him strength. You know you notice it's not Paul's not simply saying well I have Jesus, therefore um, I'm content. But he's saying it in an active relational way. It's not simply an intellectual, well, I have Jesus, you know, I've I've checked a box, so to speak, I have reached salvation. But it's an active part of his daily life, his relationship with Jesus, and that in times of great stress, um, Paul seems to be saying that in whatever circumstance he's in, that That circumstance he's been placed in providentially, that he will have strength because of Jesus. That Jesus in him, that leaning into that strength, calling on the name of the Lord, we could say, uh, and actually dwelling, remaining in Jesus, will allow him to do everything. And you notice everything is not simply when he's poor and he's in need, it's also when he's in plenty. So how how does he steward well while well, he's still in the strength of Christ? How does he deal with having nothing still in the strength of Christ? And and guys, I really believe this is important for contentment because <laughs> there's going to be times in your life that God places you in, in a specific place. Actually, this is just true right now. I was thinking about this uh, recently, you know, in the news, we've surpassed 8 billion people or something like that. And I was thinking about, I was like, I'm literally one in eight billion people. It's like one that makes me feel a little insignificant, you know, and then you go to the Lord and the Lord reminds you of your uniqueness and how he's, he's made you. But then it, it does really, if you really marinate on it, there is no one occupying the space that you're occupying right now. If you think about that, I mean, even even just in a very metaphysical way, right? Or a, in, in physics, Like I'm sitting at a desk right now. No, no other person is occupying the space. Like I am in a space. And if you take that outward, you can realize that, you know, nobody else works the job that I work. Like I'm married to a completely unique woman. I have a completely unique daughter and another completely unique baby on the way. I, you know these these things that we look in our lives and sometimes take for granted or think as usual that they're extraordinary, how unique of circumstances we're in, and and I believe that's by the provident providential hand of God, that um, no matter who you are across the world, actually even in a secular mindset, you might say um, someone who isn't even a Christian could at least recognize the profound mystery of the unique circumstances you have been placed. You know, I wasn't born in sub-Saharan Africa or, you know, uh, urban China. I was born in, you know, kind of more of an urban area of Kentucky. And I was raised in a rural area. And that's my life. And a lot of those things I had zero choice over just in terms of my my parents, right? You know, you can't choose your parents, as they say. And so that's incredibly humbling to me. And then when you think about that in the context of simply what Paul's talking about, but also in the, the narrative of Scripture and, and the, the the great um, people of faith in the Scriptures, and, and even those we know, that it's it's learning, I think, contentment in your circumstances isn't just when something bad happens to you and you just pray a prayer and you're fine. It's also learning that God has made you uniquely a certain way with certain gifts, certain things in your life that has shaped you that is, is profoundly important to God. That I think it brings extreme contentment when you step back and you look and say, you know, no one else can live the life that I'm living. You know, I was thinking of this the other day is that no one else is is Carson Daniel. <laughs> I'm I'm me I, and there will never be another Carson Daniel like just, just even just scientifically, you know, the DNA sequencer, all those kinds of things, but just in terms of my soul there's no one like me. God has made me for this life right now, and so what will I do with it? How will I live that life? And I believe that kind of contentment comes when you realize that maybe some of these desires you have in your life or or the way in which you feel called to live out just being a dad or a mom and uh, you know living daily life or working your desk job or working your construction job whatever it might be and you realize that like that maybe that's exactly the life god has for you that rather than getting a fantastical notion that makes it to where you're not content about what you're supposed to be doing over here or trying to live somebody else's life over there, then you look at your life presently and and you just, you're in awe. You're able to say, wait a second, this is the life I'm supposed to live. This is the life God has for me. And and Lord willing, you're able to look back in your life and you can see God's hand in Him guiding you to the good path. And so I think the, the learning to be content is to... Embrace that Jesus gives you strength for the unique circumstances to which you were born in, the unique person that you've been made to be, and and then now the unique circumstances that you're in presently. That when you can see those things, and in all those, uh, understand and, and go to the Lord for that strength and that peace, knowing that He's been at work at your life this whole time, then I think that's that's where we can be content. Truly, truly we can. And for those moments that we've stepped away from the Lord, we've walked a dark path, we can also see the Lord redeem those and know that he is still at work. He is still at work in the midst of difficult circumstances. Yeah. Amen. That's that is that is I believe a key to contentment is is knowing your context and how much that God has placed you in it for such a time as this that you know we we only get a certain length of life tomorrow is not guaranteed um, and so let us embrace what the Lord's doing now as and in our own unique giftings and callings um, that is I think a critical component. And then lastly, and then I'll say a word about overthinking, we'll, we'll finish on that, is is looking at what Jesus talks about of, you know, I th- therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life what you'll eat or drink or about your body, what you'll wear. And, you know, Jesus continues, is that, you know, it's interesting that Jesus really focuses on worry because I, th- I don't think he's trivializing in any way the daily trials of life, but I think he's, by linking us up to realize just how fragile our world is and how, like, you know, God has to be working. There is a great hand of grace in the world to keep the food on the table, the grass green, all those kinds of things. And so therefore do not you know, do not worry about your life. Instead, I think, and this gets into the overthinking, how much better to just live your life than to worry about it? You know, Jesus says elsewhere that, you know, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly, that he is a good shepherd. That his, I believe, at the deepest desire of God, is not that we would, you know, ace the tests, you know, especially as I'm a seminarian. That's, I'm sure, very uh, close to home for many people if you're listening and you're in seminary, but, you know, ace the tests or prove yourself in this, that, or the other way. Um, but I, it's God's desire for us to have abundant life. And I think that comes when you realize. One, how much God has been at work in your life and how much your life is built on him, the rock. Our God is an everlasting rock that when you know your life is built on him, what a profound truth that is. And then when you experience it firsthand, you realize his hand in your life and how precious and fragile life is. I can't tell you how many times, um, you know, there's a number of classmates I have from high schools who have died. Some from accidents, some from their own um, choosing, so to speak. And, and, and just looking at my life and, and just coming to the grips with how blessed my life is. And I had no role in that other than just being a participant and a, and a recipient of that blessedness from God. And I can't explain, I was, I was reflecting on this, I had a conversation with someone that seemed, you know, very made up about their mind, about the way the world works, and um, they're not a Christian, and, you know, I respectfully was, you know, sharing kind of how my life is, and, and where I'm at, and that kind of thing, but I could tell that they weren't spiritually open, and so, you know, I didn't press it, honestly. And I believe that was, uh, as I've grown in my understanding of wisdom, um, there's a time to press and challenge people and there's a time not to, in terms of spiritual things. Uh, but what I, I thought was interesting is I was like, you know, it's, it, it's, it's fascinating, you know, and I, I really, I don't have answers in terms of, you know, Calvinists, Arminian, Wesley. I mean, the different Augustinian, The different arguments about providence, I don't fully think that's, these are not questions we can definitively um, shape a extreme dogma on. I don't think we can. I think in many ways, providence is a mystery and it's supposed to be that way. And so I can't fully comprehend how at a certain point in my life, when I was 17, I encountered Jesus and I encountered the, the way of the Lord and I continue to do that and I have great intimacy with God. And yet I meet someone else who seems convicted about a number of things in their life, but clearly they're not as intimate with God as me, if at all. And I just keep reflecting on that. And I'm like, man, like, how is that possible? How is that so? And the only, um, you know, thing that I think I can think to do is to praise God, right? (laughs) It's just, just thank God. Okay, Lord, thank you for showering your blessedness on me and my life and that I know you. And that I can pray for those who don't know you, but ultimately that's in the Lord's hands. And I think it's easy sometimes as a Christian to just sort of be like, why me? Why not, you know, did did the Lord not tap their shoulder? Uh, or, or what did they do that maybe they weren't able to receive the grace God had for them or the, the call um, at that time, right? And But I, I think as Christians, we don't want to play that game. It's better for our souls to simply be thankful to God, to thank Him for being good to us, and when we look at others, simply pray for them. You know, the, I I fully believe that there are there are there are many many people that you know. Well, this is part of why Jesus says, "Do not judge, lest you be judged." Um, is that towards the end of life they may come to faith. Maybe that's the Lord's timing for them, the Lord's timing to call them home and and their unique timing of of openness, right? Um, and and learning to see that as a blessing is something I think Christians we we need to live into, um, and it's important. So guys, as as I round this out, I do want to say a word about overthinking, you know, and connecting that back to contentment and worry. So I think part of what overthinking our lives come from is, is this, you know, sort of like the question that I ask it deep in my soul of, will this all be worth it? You know, which is kind of a doubting question sometimes, uh, a not so sure question, uh, or, or we're wondering, you know, Lord, is, um, is, there, a, is there a better way, <laughs> right? Is there something else that will make my life easier? Is there something else that'll, you know, make this better, right? Um, And I think recognizing that and knowing that in our heart and voicing those concerns before God is really important. You know, there's a reason why the psalmist uh, has such an emotional range with God because I think as we walk with Jesus, we're walking on the path, right? It's like we're hiking through the woods, and our ankles start hurt or, you know, the we're hungry or whatever. We need to tell him, we need to tell the Lord what's going on and actually take the time to hear and know that he's listened. Because he does listen, but I don't know if we always stop to hear him listening. You know what I mean? We don't always stop to know in our souls that God has truly heard us. And so then we end up walking away frustrated and angry at God and, you know, saying, you know, this is all for nothing. There's some other philosophy out there that will get me through life better and easier. Um, when, you know, in my experience, that's not true. That's not true. And, um, and the more that I rest in the fact that God has uniquely made me, he has uniquely Um, placed me in the life circumstances I'm in. He's put me in this, you know, this, this, like he shaped how I look. He shapes like how tall I am. He shapes, um, you know, much of how, like I talk and and all those things. And, and that's a great mystery to me. You know, I, I was reflecting on all these kinds of different things in terms of providence and being one in eight billion people. And then realizing that, like, this knowledge is too wonderful for me. This is, this is a knowledge too great for me to understand that in some great mystery of God, in His treasure chest of goodness and glory, He made me and put me on earth, and I'm still alive and breathing right now. Now that's profound. Life itself is a gift. And how much more is a gift The life of Jesus, that we can know the love of God for us. And we can actually talk with God. We can know Him deeply. And so I think what Paul and Jesus, of course, it lives into, and they, you know, as they've gone on to glory, right, and and into the glory of, of the great King, as we reflect on that, I think how we can live a life without worry and without. Um, you know, a disconcerted heart um, is, is through gratitude. That is certainly true. But I think we've got to understand that the magnitude of how uniquely fragile all of our lives are And in a great mystery of God, that for us still living right now, that that is a great gift. And how will we steward that? How will we steward the gift of life? And I think when we start to marinate on that, and we marinate not only on the great gift of life, like I said, but also on the great gift of God, to have the knowledge of these things, right? to have the knowledge of how short life is and and to be freed from sins that may pull us towards you know impulsive lives that destroy and and hurt our marriages and 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 harm our friends and family but that how great it is to be free from those things that i don't know how we can do anything else but to fall on our knees and just praise god for how good he is and for choosing us for choosing me and you that, you know, at times, I, I and I've lamented this to the Lord, it can feel like a curse to know these things. Because then, like I said, you know, like the person I was having a conversation with, you can tell that they spiritually have a, have a lack. That they don't really know the Lord. They seem confident in their life and good for them, right? But just how much they miss, right? Um, they miss the sweetness, I think, of some parts of life without the knowledge of the Lord. And and you pray that for them. And, um, you also release them to God. You entrust them into his arms, knowing that the Lord cares for them so deeply, so deeply. Uh, so friends, I, I know this episode may be a little different than normal, but I hope you've been blessed. These are some things I've been wrestling with myself, um, that, you know, Hey, I would just say to you, dear listener, you are one in eight billion, or nine billion, whatever the right number is, but you know what I mean, and that God has made you unique. You are his unique creation. And, um, you know, don't try to live other people's lives. Live the life that God has given you and learn to see his wonderful grace in your life all over the place he's he's just pouring it out all over the kitchen counter all over your home and in your life there there are these ways of seeing what he's doing that are, are really blessings uh so friends i i um thank you for listening and uh again if anyone's interested in a t-shirt slow club t-shirt with um got to get a little piece of chocolate here um a slow club t-shirt with a chipmunk on it and it says slow down and live then let me know shoot me an email slow one club at gmail.com and i'll get get in touch with you and we'll uh we'll get you a shirt uh so uh friends i hope you have a wonderful remainder to your uh in the end i guess of your thanksgiving weekend and as we go into this advent and christmas season pray you would prepare your heart again and again to receive jesus deep in your soul peace